coaches and players that are with us. I, I got to tell you how, how humbled, how excited I am that we got Sean Casey t- to join us tonight for an hour to talk about the mental game. You know, as, as I, I said, I, I've been around the mental game for a long time. It's a passion of mine. It's probably one of the most important things in my life besides my wife and my two French Bulldogs. And, you know, it's, I'm obsessed with it. And when I got the chance to meet Sean, you know, it was probably maybe close to a year after I'd been watching that MLB Network video that you guys all saw where your coaches shared with you. And, you know, it, it's it's kind of like meeting a hero of yours, you know. So I'm super excited for tonight for the opportunity for you guys to get to learn from Sean. Not only is he a lifetime 300 hitter, but he's a student of the mental game. You know, he played Major League Baseball from 1997 to 2008. He played with the Indians, the Reds, the Pirates, the Tigers, the Red Sox. He's a three-time All-Star in the Major Leagues. He's got a lifetime batting average. How about this? Lifetime batting average of 302. 130 home runs, 735 RBIs. And as a college baseball player, uh, he played at the University of Richmond. And in 1995, he won the conference triple crown, the Colonial Athletic Conference, damn good baseball conference, won the triple crown, hitting 461. 1995, he's a second round pick of the Cleveland Indians. And something that we're going to dig into in our in our interview here is, you know, in 2007, he's named in Sports Illustrated by a players poll of major league players as the the friendliest player in Major League Baseball, you know, but along with this nice personality and the friendly personality and the energy, don't be confused because he was a fierce competitor and one of the best left-handed hitters to ever, ever play the game. So I'm excited to welcome to the high school group coaching, Sean Casey. Case, thanks for being with us, man. Everybody clap it up. Hi, right, Kater. Thanks, man. Great to be yeah. here, brother. Glad you're here, man. You know, Case, everybody on the call, they've seen the video on the MLB Network, the hitting where you talk about kind of the four steps, the process over outcome, the watching positive video, the knowing you belong, and then also kind of the three keys to keep it simple, you know? So if you would, man, would you kind of unpack those for us, maybe by starting with what does process over outcome mean to you as a hitter? You know, Kaner, I mean, for me, and you know, I'm sure Zach, you know, knows too, like, you know, for me, like, uh, you know, Harvey Dorfman was a big, I was just, he was kind of my guru back in the day. I, I got the mental game of baseball book back when I was a junior in high school. And, uh, you know, and, and the one thing I really bought into was his big thing on focus on the task at hand. Like the process has got to be everything, right? Process, not results. You know, we're so, we get so result, result oriented in this game. I'm going to hit three fit, 330. I'm going to hit 30 home runs. I'm going to drive in a hundred runs. My big question is how are you going to do it? It doesn't matter. I mean, that's all nice and all. It's a dream. That's a dream until you get so good at the process where you can show up every day and say, I'm going to take a deep breath. Like Zach said, I love that. You know, six in, hold two, six out, right? I got 20 seconds of action if I'm a hitter to go against that, that pitcher. I got 20 seconds to get it done. What's my process in those 20, 25 seconds? Like, do I breathe right, right? Uh, am I hunting? The, my, my process was hunt the fastball. Anything off speed that's up and in the zone, I got to trust my eyes and my brain that when I see it up, I'm going to hammer it. Look left center, right? And, and I was big on see the ball, hammer it. You know, that calm aggression, see the ball, be easy, hammer it. You know, right? and, and, and I learned, I learned not only, you know, I was learning it at 16, but, but, I, but I was always big on like, how do I master that process? Like, it's one thing to like know it, but it's another thing to really master it. And I think you really master the process in this game when you can go one pitch at a time. And, and, and I think also what that means is when you take a bad swing, 
to just, I, I can't tell you how many bad swings I took first pitch changeups or first pitch curveballs that I swung at and I was out front and I said to myself, wow, a little too much anxiety there. Let me take a bigger breath right here. Let me slow it down a little bit more. Let me let me raise my sights and get ready to hammer something, right? It didn't ruin my bat. I can't, when I was younger, it might've ruined my bat initially when I was learning this. But, you know, when you start to get so good at the process, all that matters is that next pitch. And I think that's the biggest thing. Focus on the task at hand. You want to hit 330 with 30 and 100 at the end of a big league season? You better be really good at going one pitch at a time for 640 at bats or I guarantee you ain't doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, Casey, I think, I think when we talk about going one pitch at a time, you know, it's something that a lot of people talk about, but it's also another, another level to actually practice it. And there, are there things that you did to kind of practice the process or practice that pre- present moment focus that it takes to go one pitch at a time? Oh, yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot of different things I did. I know, I know before, my, before the game in my, you know, in my – um you know, my routine, um, you know, I would sit down, I would three, three things I'd bring in. I'd bring in a, I, I would bring in a, a Bible to make sure I like, for me, that was just, you know, my, my thing to make sure that I kept life in perspective. This isn't the end of the world. We're going to play baseball here. And if I strike out four times, life doesn't end, right? It's okay. I used to bring in the mental game of baseball, a little key part of it. And one of it was the chapter on mental discipline, you know, that, you know, and, it, and, it, and that was the chapter it talked about like, really being able to see the ball and hammer it. And, you know, I used to have a couple of phrases I looked at and then I would do a 10 minute meditation. I would put my head down and I would really just visualize myself in the game. And I would try and just move energy to really get myself into a place where I could get really calm knowing that as soon as I walked out of that room at six 30 at six 45, I was going to cross the white lines and, and run my sprints. And at seven Oh five, it was go time. Right. So for me, it was like, the, the getting ready for the process of the game started about at six o'clock before a seven Oh five game to really, you know, get my mind in the, into, into, into character. Yeah. I really think that there's something to be said about that. Like, Hey, you're, you're one guy. And then as soon as you get to the game, like, Hey, get into character and, and, into a, into a place in your mind where you're able to go, okay, I got to focus one pitch at a time on offense, one pitch at a time on defense and just really get into the game. So there was, Definitely things I did, you know, that, that helped help my mind get ready for the game, Kaner. Talk a little bit more about this concept of like going into character, right? I mean, you were, you were named nicest guy in the major leagues by, by your fellow players, which is kind of cool. <laughs> I had this question today. I was, in, I was talking with a, um, you know, with a professional baseball player and he was saying, you know, I just feel like when I play well, I got to get pissed off. And I was like, well, is it, is it getting pissed off or is it getting focused? You know, can you have success as the nice guy or do you have to be, you know, an a-hole, excuse my language? Like, how are you able to be a really nice guy, but also a fierce competitor? Because I think sometimes people don't, they think you've got to be this mean, mugged, pissed off guy all the time to play well. And really what that is, is just, that's just getting you focused. How did you manage those two things? Well, I mean, I think, you know, when I, when I, when I, when I was in the batter's box, I remember facing Chris Reitzman, who was like my best friend in the world. He had just gotten traded to Atlanta. I was devastated that he got traded from the Reds to Atlanta, literally devastated. And sure enough, like two games later, here we are playing the Braves and I'm facing Reitz in like the eighth inning. We're down a run. I'm like, I can't believe he's my best friend in the world. And I remember having that moment saying, okay, this is my best friend in the world. And I was like, if I stay on that, I'm going to be in trouble here. Like I got to flip a switch. Like I got to get, 
it's not Chris Reed's mom facing. It's that baseball when he leaves his hand, like I got to be ready to go. And that was the mentality I always had. Like when I get in the box, you know, I got to be able to get relaxed. And I, and I always say tension's poison, right? Right, right. So tension's poison. If I get relaxed, I turn on my vision, right? So that's the biggest thing. And Zach was talking about before, like we got to find a way to get relaxed because at the end of the day, you know, that turns on your vision. That allows you to be quick. You know, you never see a boxer come in and be this stiff guy and throw it right. It's going to be slow. You see the boxer, he dances, he jive, wham, and he hits you with a jab, and then he knocks you out, right? You don't even see it coming. It's the same thing in baseball, and, you know, especially as a hitter. You know, you're in the box. I got to find a way to relax. And I remember facing Reese. He had a great changeup. I watched him for so long with the Reds, and I said to myself, I'm going to hunt the fastball. I'm going to try and get him early. I'm not going to get to that changeup. Like, we're talking about my best friend in the world on the mound. I haven't seen him since he got traded. And I ended up hitting a two-run homer off him. 95 up at my neck. Boom. I crushed the ball. I kind of felt bad when I, you know, at, when I got back to the dugout. But when I was in that box, it was like, I got to eat. He's got to eat. It's time to get it on. Like, you know what I mean? It, it, it's time to get it on. Like, so like, the, the, I was always taught treat people the way you want to be treated. And I got the mayor nickname because of my time at first base. And hey, how's it going? You know, and that's a little more laid back than when you get in the box and you're on an island by yourself and all you got your thoughts and it's me versus me. At the end of the day, it's me versus me. How well do I think, right? How well do I think pitch by pitch? And I think that's the biggest thing for me, Kane. It was just like, hey, how great am I at me versus me? Because it doesn't matter. The coach can't help me. My dad can't help me. My mom can't help me. The hitting coach can't help me. Like, I got to a place mentally where I was like, man, I got a lot of confidence in my thoughts. I got a lot of confidence in my abilities because I've shown up at the cages every day because I believe in that section, you get better on your own. You don't get better at practice. You get better on your own. So I had confidence in my ability and I had confidence in my thought process that I had tools in the bag when one or two would go away. I was like, no, I brought an Uzi to a gunfight. So many times I see guys bring a butter knife to a gunfight. I'm like, hey, guy, you got one bullet in the chamber? Oh, you take that first bad pitch and you swing and miss and look bad? And everyone goes, boo. You know, in the big leagues, you got 55,000 people going, you, you suck. Or, hey, blah, blah. Like, it's irrelevant. I got a whole, I got a whole cartridge. I got four. I got 20 bullets ready to go. Like, a bad swing, boom, I got to, I got, what do I have? Okay, my breath, my, my, and my anxiety levels too high, whatever it is. So that's what I'm saying, Karen, that, that process of like, you know, for me, it was like, I got really good at, at, at me versus me at the end of the day. Bring I can't spell Uzi. I was going to post inside of the <laughs> Bring an Uzi to a gunfight, not a, not a butter knife. And I yes. think to me, to me, Case, you know, we're, we're joined here on this call with 11 of the top high school baseball programs, 10 of them in America, one of them from Canada. I mean, from the East Coast to the West Coast, we got the who's who of high school baseball here. You know, right now on the call, we got 210 people. And what we've been talking about with their players and with their staff, and I'm recording it to go out to those who can't make it because they're practicing or whatever. This is what we've been talking about. We're to, when we talk about developing tools in the mental game, your breath, your routine, your success checklist, your three keys to keep it simple, doing mental imagery. You're talking about all of these as tools or these are bullets that are inside of your Uzi or your bazooka that you're going to battle with, with the guy in the mound and the high seas, high school baseball teams. We just had one course at Texas that just beat the number one team in Texas. And 
you know, they might, people might look at it and say that it's an upset and their coach and their players don't even look at it as an upset. They go, look, there's only two teams on the field that day. It's a 50 50 chance. And the best team doesn't win. It's a team who plays the best and they have tools like you're talking about to be able to compete at a high level. One of the, one of the things, Kaner, when you, when you say that stuff, like I'm a big believer in like, like I, I kind of came to the game with a chip on my shoulder. Like, and I'm grateful for it. I'm so grateful for this. Like, I'm grateful. I was the I was the kid growing up that maybe wasn't the fastest kid. I, I was a little chunky. All those things. Like, they put chips on my shoulder, right? They put chips on my shoulder so that when I realized I started getting older, I started putting the work in and mentally doing things that other – maybe I didn't have the abilities that every, every guy had, but I had, I had that fire and that passion, right? And I started to realize, hey, guess what? At the end of the day, Randy Johnson – Greg Maddox, these guys put their pants on the same way I do. So if you're the best team in Texas and you're coming and you're and you're and you're coming to play those guys, guess what, boys? Let's straddle it up. Like put your pants on because these guys put their pants on the same way. And I think one of the big things for me is when I started to realize when I got to the big leagues, I remember facing Randy Johnson the first time and first time out. I remember being overwhelmed, like, man, this guy's 6'11. I'm lefty on lefty. This guy's throwing 100 miles an hour with a 93 mile an hour slider. And I was grinding, grinding, grinding. And I just remember kind of being a, a nerve wracking. I was kind of excited. You know, I had his baseball cards. Bam, 0 for 4. A couple of days later, I go face Greg Maddox. Boom, he starts wheeling, dealing, 1, 2. I've never seen a sinker like it in my life. Almost hits me in the back. It looks like it's behind me. Bam, strike 3. And I'm like, ooh, that's Greg Maddox. And I remember walking away from that game, and, and, I, and I said to myself, if I keep having these thoughts, I better start thinking differently. I better start playing a different game. Because if I keep thinking that's Randy Johnson and Greg Maddox and Roy Halladay, I'm going to be going home soon. It's going to be pack the backs, shuffling back to Pittsburgh, you know, get a job at Casey Chemical with your dad, whatever it is. And I changed my mind frame, Kaner. I said, no, enough. I said, as soon as I started playing a game with myself, I just changed the perspective. I said, what game can I play mentally that changes this whole thing around, right? That makes these guys human, right? And, and so I said to myself, first off, these guys put their pants on the same way I do. Second off, as soon as that, that ball is released by Randy Johnson. It is now not Randy Johnson. It's a baseball that I've hit a million of in my garage, at the batting cages, right? I just have to be great at me versus me. I got to be great at being relaxed. I got to be great at seeing the ball. I got to be great at slowing that 100 miles an hour down. So it doesn't matter if it's 100 miles an hour or a Jamie Moyer 78 miles an hour. I still got to let it travel to my spot, be ready to hit it and, and square it up. So that was a game that I played with myself, Kaner. Like, no, I cannot give any credit to anybody when, look, don't believe the hype. Like, I hate that stuff. These guys are so good. This guy's so good. That's great. Somebody's got them. Somebody's got to hit off them before. Like, nothing worse than when, when you're on a team. I'm sure the coaches, you know, would love this. You got a great guy on the mound and you're like, oh, man, this guy's really good. And, and, and your, your leadoff hitter gets punched out on three pitches. He comes back in the dugout, go. And he tells, you know, he just fires a fires a negative bomb to think this guy's nasty, guys. There's no way. We, we're in big trouble tonight. Right. And it's big trouble until what happens? In the third inning, someone gets him. Bam! There's a rock in the gap. And then we, oh, hey, we, we got this guy. And then wham, wham, wham. Right? All of a sudden, it's contagious, right? And I think that's one thing about baseball is like, no. Let's not let's get away from like these guys are so nasty. If you get so good at your process and you get so good at realizing, you know, everyone puts their pants on the same way, you can beat anybody on any given day. You know, in case and again, all the players that are on the call, coaches that are on the call, if you go into the group chat, okay, if you take a look, I posted a link 
to the MLB Network video that we're talking about that I know you've seen and you should watch again. I've probably seen it 20 times and every time I get into it, there's something else I pick up on it. And to show you, I've watched it 20 times. I put a link to a Google doc of my notes in there where I broke down each of the four things that that Sean talks about in that video. And I want you guys to have the video. I want you to have the notes so you can go through and look and say, Hey, here's one one of the best hitters in baseball history. This is what he did. And one of the things he's talking about that I love is you're not facing Randy Johnson. You're not facing, you know, uh, Justin Verlander. And Nick Solak, who plays with the Texas Rangers, who spoke with our guys here on this call the first week. And, you know, I know we, you've gotten a chance to get to know Nick. And, you know, one of the things he talked about coming up into the major leagues is everybody does it, right? You're watching all these guys on TV and now you find yourself in the box going, okay, there's Verlander. Tomorrow I got Garrett Cole. And it's like, no, what you got is you got a ball that they got to throw over your plate three times to get you out. And if they got to throw a ball over your plate three times to get you out, you got a significant advantage case. Can you unpack that mentality for us? You know what, Ken? I mean, I get so fired up talking it because I love it. I mean, like, it's just so great. I looked at it like this. I live in a house. I got kids. If you come in my front door, you're going to have a real problem. You know, you're going to have a real problem. Something you come in my front door at night, you're going to have a real problem. Well, look at home plate, right? It looks like a house. Right. And that and that 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 front door is right at the beginning of that plate. If you come in the front door, you're going to have problems. Like and that's how I thought about it. Like you're pitching to me like you better live on the edges because if you come in my front door, you're going to have a real problem. Like, do you see how I you see how I just played games with myself? Like I just I just played games in perspective. And I, and I also knew that when I was relaxed, I was quicker. I was more explosive. I was more visual. My vision was so much better. So I knew when the guy came in the front door, I got to make him pay. Mm-hmm. How do I make him pay? I got to be relaxed. I got to hunt the fastball. I got to look left center. You know what I mean? All those things of the process knew that when it came through my front door, I was ready to dominate somebody. So like, that's what I love about my, the mind. The mind is such a, it, it, it's such an awesome thing, man. And it, it, it's like, you know, and I think one thing is one thing that gets scary about this game of baseball is I tell guys I work with all the time. I said, hey, listen, you fail seven out of 10 times. You're a superstar. That means 70 percent of the time you're failing in any other industry. You're fired. They don't say, hey, Zach, good job, bro. Way to fail 70 percent of the time. They say you're fired. Right. So in this game, failure is built in mm-hmm. as a coach, as a player, as a whoever. I got to be able to know. Come on, come on. I got to go one pitch at a time. I got to be great at going one pitch at a time because awesome. failure's built in mm-hmm. and, and that's okay. You know what I mean? So like that, that's a big thing too, is like just understanding how to play games with your mind and just, and, and not get so down on yourself where your confidence gets hit. And you talk about it all the time, Kenya, that like you can work yourself into confidence. What's your body language? You know, if I'm 0 for 20 or 20 for 20, that guy should never know. If I take a bad swing, he should never know. Like I gotta be able, I gotta be able to come into that fight ready to go. And that, you know, that body language is a big part of, of, of showing my confidence to these guys. Yeah. And I know I, I we're gonna get to some questions here. They keep coming in, keep posting those questions that you got for Sean Casey. And you know, Case, one of the things you've talked about is as we've done our, you know, coffee with Casey show on Wednesday, where we get the chance to chat about the mental game and kind of its applications to baseball and to life. And you've heard a term a lot about, I've heard you use a term a lot, like a, like a, like an aggression under control, a relaxed aggression. And I've heard you talk about controlling what you can control, 
breathing, turning your vision on, intention is poison. Would you, because with the players on the call, one of the big things that we've been working on with our coaching staff and with them is taking a deep breath before they get in the batter's box. We've talked a lot about controlling what you can control. And we just sent them like a visualization audio that they can use to help prepare for games. So let's unpack those three and then we'll get into questions. Could you first talk about the breath before you get in the box and what that does for you? Well, I used to love Harvey Dorfman used to say, breathe or die. Like it was like the number one thing for me. Like I, I honestly think that was the key. I always tell you, you want the key to the city? Learn how to breathe. Like you want the you you want you want the key to you know to get it all going. Like you got to learn how to breathe, and I think that was a big thing for me. Was like, man, I really got to get good at that breath. And for me, Kaner, that breath signified this. It was a pitch reset. So if I whatever I did that pitch, like watch great big leaguers, watch Mike Trout's at bat, the best in the business, Mickey Mantle, modern day Mickey Mantle. Go watch his at bats and stop watching his swing. Watch his pre pitch routine. He steps out. He looks at his bat takes a breath and he gets back in for me. It worked for me. What worked for me was every pitch every, after every pitch, I would take a breath in through the nose, really get him diaphragmic breathing, you know, get my belly big, you know, not a BS breath. Like, you know, that's garbage. Like, no, no, go find out what it takes to breathe. Like Zach was running, running us two six in two hold six out. Yeah. That's how you start to tell your brain, Hey, we're safe. You know, that prehistoric brain that still thinks a cheetah straight chasing you. Guess what? The cheat ain't chasing you, right? When you get in the box, you create all these scenarios. No, get breathing, get it, learn how to breathe so that you tell your brain and your body, hey, we're safe. We're safe. We're about to dominate here. And and then and then and then you're and then and then and then the other stuff comes into play. But breathing for me, Kaner, is the key to the city. Learn how to breathe well, because get the tension out of your body and turn your vision on. Man, that's that's everything. It's awesome, man. We're here with MLB Network analyst and, and one of the top hitters in, the, in baseball, Sean Casey. We're talking about breathing. If every player and coach, go ahead and take your hands, put your hands on your stomach. Okay. When Case uses these big worms, words like diaphragmatic breathing, basically what, what he means is we're breathing from our diaphragm, which is in our belly. So hands are on your stomach. I want you to inhale nice and deep like Zach had us do. So in through your nose and feel your belly come out. As much as you can. And then exhale. And you'll feel that stomach lower when you really feel it, okay? It's tonight when you all go to bed, lay on your back, hands on your stomach, and really feel that belly rise and feel that belly fall. Feel that belly rise, feel that belly fall. And, you know, on this call right now, we've got high school coaches, we got high school players, we got college golfers, we got PGA golfers, we got Major League Baseball players on this call right now. Why? Because they want to get better and they realize success leaves clues. If you have a chance to learn from someone who did their sport at the highest level, one pitch at a time, one shot at a time, you want to pay attention. And I think if you're looking at whether it's Sean Casey, whether it's Michael Jordan, whether it's Kobe Bryant, whether it's Tiger Woods, right, if it's Justin Thomas, who just won the PGA this weekend, or it's Mike Trout, one of the consistencies they're all going to talk about, and I love listening to athletes, especially right after they win a UFC fight or right after the Tom Brady wins a Super Bowl, and you listen to what they talk about because it's unscripted, right? It's raw. It's real. A lot of them are going to talk about controlling the things that they can control. Case, would you just unpack that piece? Because with the coaches and players here, we basically spent an entire call making a list saying, here's what I can control. Here's what I can't control. And the fastest way I think to give yourself success is to control what you can control. And the fastest way to beat yourself is to focus on things you can't. Could you unpack controlling what you can control? 
Well, I mean, that's the key, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if I'm talking about it's me versus me, like at the end of the day, when I get in the batter's box, you know, and I, and I realize what can I control? I can control the pace. I can control my breath. I can control my thoughts. Right. I always, I always say like, if I'm, if I'm hitting right. And I, and I, and they would say like, you know, I would evaluate in a bat. I would say to myself, okay, these are the things I can control. Am I swinging at strikes? Am I hunting the fastball? Am I, am I, am I, am I really seeing the ball? Am I seeing it late? Am I seeing early and late? Right. Am I really seeing the ball? Am I, uh, do I have a good game plan? Am I going left center? Like there's so many different things. I, I, there's like eight or nine questions I would ask myself before I ever went to my swing. You know, what am I doing here, here, and here? Okay. So I can control everything in my mind, right? I can control my, my atmosphere. I can't control the umpire. I can't, I have no control over that pitcher. I, you know, if he paints me three times, I'm probably going back to the dugout, right? You know, at the end of the day, that happens. You know, you face a Pedro Martinez, you're like, oh my God, I didn't even get one pitch to hit. That was like the nastiest three pitches I've ever seen in my life. Eric Gagne back in his prime, 100 with like a Bugs Bunny changeup. There was a couple of times I walked away and go, I control what I can control. A guy just dominated me. That's going to happen at times. But nothing worse for me is when you get a bad call from the umpire and all of a sudden you got, uh, you know, first pitch and the guy looks at him, he looks at and and I and I'm and I can run. I go. It's a bat's over. Mm. It's a bat's over, because the guy is reacting to something he has no control over. He startled himself mentally. He's now anxious. He's now created poison in his body. It's a bat's over. And to me, that's the difference between people that succeed in this game and people that don't. It's a bad pitch, a bad call. Hey man, that's good. I got. 20 seconds, 25 seconds to get ready for that next pitch. So the, a, a, such a huge thing, you know, Kaner, is control what you can control. And also control um, control your emotions, right? You have control over that. No one should be able to take you out of much, especially sometimes. Like, I played for tough coaches. You know, I played for guys that are yelling at you at times, and I'm like, okay. I've been down the road of listening to coaches trying to, trying to uh, you know, get on me, and I'm like, okay. That's not helping me because at the end of the day, if I want that coach to be a friend of mine, when I hit a double in the gap, he's going to go, Hey man, way to swing it. You know what I mean? Like I can't worry about what people are saying to me. So like, I can't worry about anything, but see the ball, be easy, hammer it. You're not calm aggression. We talked about see the ball, be easy, hammer it. Right. I'm calm in my body, aggressive in my mind. I'm not just, a, it might look like I'm, um, look at Anthony Rendon. It looks like he's in a freaking lounge chair about to take a nap, right? Go break his. I, I watched him yesterday. I'm like, this guy is like, his bat's down here. He, I think he snores a couple of times and then wham, he hits an absolute rocket off everybody, right? He hits great pitching, right? So like watch the greatest players in the game. These guys have a calm aggression about them. Like they're not just calm. They're calm in their body and in their minds, they're thinking about making, having a knockout blow. Mm. Love that. You know, and a couple of great things here, man, um, that I want to, I want to kind of get into here at case. And I want to get into these questions and I want to be respectful of your time and get, and keep us, keep us, you know, to another 25 minutes, 30 minutes or so. So you talk about quality at bats and as a program on the screen right now, you should all see from, from the university of Notre Dame and, and they got this from the Texas Rangers it, it, Rangers call it a positive plate appearance. Notre Dame, we call it a quality at bat. So they say a quality at bat is an at bat that makes a positive contribution towards our goals. Okay. So I want you to think for a second about like the analogy of a Russian doll. 
in a Russian doll, right? If you think about it is there's the big doll. I take that one off. There's a smaller one. I take that off. There's a smaller one. I take the small one off that. There's a smaller one. I take it off. There's a smaller one. I'm going to keep going. There's a smaller one. Right? So, so if we think about the smallest doll inside of there is my breath. The next doll is one pitch at a time. The next doll is what Case is talking about. And this is when I posted, this is the process within the process. Okay. So did I breathe? Was I in control of myself? Um, was I going one pitch at a time? And then he's saying, was I having a clear plan, hunting a fastball? Was I ready to hit? Was I on time? All those questions he asked himself are those little dolls. And then some of those other dolls in terms of a quality at bat are going to be like Notre Dame quality plate appearance. Instead of looking at, did I get a base hit? It's was there hard barrel contact? Was it a team first at bat? Did I get hit by a pitch? Was it based on balls? Did I see eight pitches? Did I score a run? Did I get, a, you know, I would take two strike hits out of there. I'm not a big fan of, of hits as quality at bats, but it is what it is in each program, but they have two strike hits. Did I see four pitches after I went down? O2. But we just gave you like, like 15 to 20 things to ask yourself before, did I get a hit? And your mom and dad are going to say, how many hits did you have today? And because they don't, if they didn't play, they don't understand process over outcome. And that's where you got to go into so much of this, you know, like with golfers I work with and the ones on the call here, don't just resort to my swing is off resort to was I committed to the shot? Did I play the conditions right? Did I roll through my process? Did I actually know what I was trying to do instead of always resorting back to my swing? The thing we say about in golf is you got to learn to play golf, not golf swing. Learn to play baseball, not how's my swing. Learn to play baseball, not what are my mechanics, you know, because the, the mechanics will get in the way if you're trying to compete. You've got to compete focused on process and what you're trying to do. Last thing, Case, before we go into questions, is you, you in the MLB Network video share something that, that, that um, actually, you know, we've talked about on our call. It's something that these high school players can take and implement immediately. It's something that the pro golfers that are on this call, it's one of the things that they do too. And, and Tom Brady does it. So if there's something that works for them, it's going to work for the players. And I want to just make sure we, we cover this. And you've talked about see the ball, be easy, hammer it. And in this video, you talk about writing down on an index card and putting in your back pocket. Now for the players, you could write this down on athletic tape, put it in your helmet. You could write it on your batting gloves. You could do what Tom Brady did. And Tom Brady wrote it on the wristband of his play sheet. So he's writing down his, see the ball, be easy, hammer it. He's writing down on his card, right? Right here on his wrist card. So let's take a listen in case, if you could then talk about kind of how these three keys, which you've already said, how you'd use this card and how this helped you. Let's take a look. Something you did on the on-deck circle that helped center you? I did, I did. You know what was great? Uh, Harvey Dorfman, who's the mental game of baseball, mental keys to hitting. Kids, if you don't have the books, go get them. Mental game of baseball, mental keys to hitting by Harvey Dorfman and Carl Keel. Harvey used to tell me, when you get on the on-deck circle, write in your back, write on a note card, three things that you want to do to keep things simple. And I did. I found out. I always say to myself, see the ball, be easy, and hammer it. And I looked at that every, I, I would keep it in my back pocket. I would come out the on-deck circle. Boom, I, I'd put the weight on just like this. I'd get ready. I'd pull the card out, see the ball, be easy, hammer it. Boom. Case, okay, so talk about those three keys for you to keep it simple. And, and then, you know, when in your career you started to kind of get with Harvey and say, I need these three keys, and then you've taken it with you to this day. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know what? I think, I think Kaner, you know, we, as human beings in our minds, we are, we, we are beings of belief, right? 
the more you tell yourself something and more it becomes a belief. And that's how we all live by, right? If we, if we all broke down our lives, we have certain things we live by our beliefs, right? And the more you tell yourself something and really believe it, the more it becomes ingrained in you like, okay, this is how to do it. And Harvey was, was big on me like, hey, listen, get clarity on what you want. Don't overwhelm your brain with too many thoughts. Let's get it really simple. And the, what we came up with, see the ball, be easy, hammer it. See the ball, like ball was such a big thing with me. Like so many times as hitters, we get in the box and we're thinking about what we were working on in the cages. You're in trouble. Like, what is it? 0.4 seconds, you have a 95 mile an hour fastball coming in, right? In that 0.4 seconds, it takes 0.38 seconds or whatever to blink, right? You blink and point. So in those 0.4 seconds, you have to decide, is it a fastball? Is it a curveball? Is it a slider? Is it a split finger? Is it a changeup? Is it a cutter? Right. And I also say, am I, is it a strike? Is it a ball? Is it up? Is it down? Am I swinging? Am I not swinging? It's just so much going on. The human brain is so amazing. So for me, I want to direct it, right? I got to be able to direct my thoughts, direct it. And, and how do I do that? I got to keep it simple. So for me, a big one was just see the ball, see the ball. Then I would tell myself, be easy, see the ball, be easy. So there's, there's the calm aggression, calm in my body, in my mind, I'm thinking about hammering it. So see the ball, hammer it was my thought process, but I was easy with my body. And I just put that note card in my back pocket because Harvey and I had to talk about it. He said, listen, you got to reiterate to yourself, you know, every single day, the things that you want to make a belief. And he's like, if you have that card and every time you go in the on deck circle, you pull it out and read it. I can't tell you how many times I get in the box. I'd be like, see the ball, be easy, hammer it. See the, and like, it helped me immensely, but it was like that last thought right before I got in the box was clarity to my mind of what the process was and what my goals were on that thing. It wasn't, Hey, what did the coach think of me? Hey, what'd that fan just say to me? Hey, what was I working on the cages? Are my hands back? Am I getting a good load? How's my feet? It was none of that. It was see the ball, be easy, hammer it. And I just, that was the last thought before I got in the box. And that's what continued in the box to get ready to dominate. Love it. Awesome. Let's go to some questions here again. If you got questions for the mayor, Sean Casey, go ahead and post them inside of our chat here. And, you know, first question that comes in, coach, uh, is from Chris Andrews, head baseball coach at Portage, Portage Northern High School in Michigan, 2019 high school state champions. And he said, Case, what do you know now that you wish you could go back and tell your high school self? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's a great question. What do I know now that I could go back and tell like, um, relax, like, you know what I mean? Like, like surrender. You know, I think there's, I look back at high school, you're just trying to control everything. You just don't know yet. You know, I just, I would say to my, I would say to my high school self, like relax and enjoy the process, like have fun. Like you're playing baseball, you're playing sports, like really enjoy yourself, enjoy your teammates. Like I think one thing about high school too is, I go back, I'm still friends with a couple guys. We won the championship my senior year. Like, I, I look back at those times. I'm like, boy, I, I wish I could have slowed time down and not try to get to University of Richmond so fast or get the pro ball. Like, take the time to build those relationships with your buddies and really, really enjoy your high school years because it goes by so fast. I think when you're young, you want to be old. And when you're older, you want to be young again. And if I could go back and tell 16, 17, 18-year-old Sean Casey, I'd say, Hey, have fun with your friends and, and really, really enjoy the present moment. Don't get so far ahead of yourself. 
So good, man. We call that destination disease, you know, and destination disease or called the disease of when I, when I get to college baseball, I'll do this. Right. When I get drafted, I'll do this. When I get back on the PGA tour, I'll do this. When I make it to the major leagues, I'll do this. And it's like, no, 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 do it now. And maybe you'll get those things. And I think, you know, the, the, the thing that we learn, the older we get, I would, you know, I would go back and tell myself, control what you can control. And I would say the same exact thing. I would say, I would say the, the journey between here and there, the journey between here and there is far better than both here and there. But to enjoy the journey, you've got to be present. So be where your feet are, be where your breath is, and just truly go one pitch at a time in the game and in life. Next question comes in here. Did you try to prove people wrong or prove yourself right? Both. Hmm. Both. Yeah, I always, I always say, I think initially I was trying to prove people wrong. And then eventually, as I got more confident in my abilities, I was trying to, I was trying to prove myself right. But I, I, always, I always say this, hey, if you got a chip, collect it. You should have a bag on your shoulders where you collect the chips. You're not fast enough, chip. You don't hit for enough power, chip. You're slow, chip. You're not in good shape, chip, chip. Chip, right? You didn't start your freshman year chip on my shoulder. Like, oh yeah, that's initially how I started off to like, I'm grateful for those chips. You know, like I was, I must admit, initially I was trying to prove people wrong until I got to the point where I was trying to prove, you know, thank God for my abilities and like prove that, man, it's, you know, prove yourself right. But yeah, I did both of them. And I, and without both of them, I wouldn't have made it where I made it to, but I collected those chips proudly on my shoulder and, uh, and use them for my benefit. And, and uh, it's funny. I asked Dr. Rob Gilbert of success hotline, which hopefully these, every player and coach is listening to the success hotline podcast calling success hotline. Dr. Rob Gilbert is going to be on Mount Rushmore of mental performance with Ken Revisa, Harvey Dorfman, Rob Gilbert, Zach Sorensen. And when we look at that, you know, one of the things that I asked Gilbert about prove yourself, right. Prove people wrong. He said exactly that. He goes, it's both because they both can create energy for you. Mm -hmm. And if it's creating energy for you, that's what we're looking for. Because like you're saying, you got to play these mental games with yourself. So some days, even myself personally, it's like, Hey, I'm going to prove these guys wrong. I'm going to prove these guys wrong that fired me. I'm going to prove these guys wrong that, that passed on working with me to work with someone else. I'm a competitor, man. I want them all. You know, but then at the same token, I say, well, I believe my system is the best system in the mental game of baseball. So I'm going to go prove myself right by helping these people that want it get the results they're looking for. So I think you use that, that energy for both things. You know, next question comes in. One of my favorite questions here uh, comes in from Jacob. He said, if you were on a hitting hitting streak, would you wear the same pair of underwear? <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's funny. I remember back when I was with the Tigers in 07, I was raking. I think it was like six games. I must have been hitting like 750. It was on, but I couldn't get out. Right. Also, this one night I go three, I go four, three for four, I think in minutes uh, in Detroit. And that night I forgot to put my shirt that I wore underneath my uniform into the, into the, you know, bin. And so the next day I came and I was like, oh man, it kind of smells, but like, that's got four hits in it. You know what I mean? I got to put that on tonight. So put it on again, three knocks. I'm like, all right, now I can't wash this thing. Like, I got to just keep rolling. So boom, I put it on again. So the sixth day I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm in Minnesota. Uh, you know, boom, I had a couple hits already. And, and uh, I get, I, I get a single. I come to first base. Justin Moore knows that. I'm like, what's up Morty? He's like, Hey, what's up Case? You know, we're talking. He's like, he's like, he's like, dude, is that you? I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you smell. And I was like, 
I was like, yeah, I do smell, bro. I haven't washed his shirt in six days, but it's got like 18 hits in it. It's unbelievable. He's like, oh, that's unbelievable. He's like, that's unbelievable. And he sent me over. That was the year he won the MVP. He sent me over bat saying, hey, Case, way to swing it, man. He's like, please wash that shirt soon. Hope you go 0 for 4. It's awesome. Justin Morneau. <laughs> so, yes, underwear, shirts, whatever. But I must admit, really quick, Kana, I must admit, Harvey Dorfman told me this one time. He said, if you get to the point of superstition that you think it's your shirt or your underwear or your socks that's getting you hits, he's like, wear a different shirt, wear a different pair of underwears, wear different socks, because it's not that. It's you. Mm-hmm. And it's your process is really good. And you're the one doing it. So if you ever start to think your superstitions is what's making you great, mix it up. Totally. love that. The, the power is not in the superstition. The power is in you. Yes. You know, and, you know, one, I think one of the things that creates power too is knowing your why. And one of the questions that came in was, what was how important was knowing your why as a player? Oh my gosh. Knowing, knowing my why was huge as a player. Um, you know, I think for me, um, my dad, you know, my dad, I think my faith was a big part here because my dad was, was big on like, you know, you've been given gifts of eye-hand coordination. You've been given gifts in your life. Like, make sure that you don't waste them. You know, make sure you can take them as far as you can, whatever that looks like, college ball, pro ball, whatever it is. You know, for me, it just happened to be, you know, 11, 12 years in the big leagues. But but the bottom line was, man, go out there and make sure you're taking your gifts and you're using them, you know, and make sure that when that little kid and that father show up to watch you play, you're running as hard as you can down the line. You're playing the game as hard as you can. You're respecting the guys that played before you. Like no one's bigger than the game of baseball. It's just the bottom line. No one is bigger than the game of baseball. And so for me, my why was the purpose of, you know, I was just thanking God for the ability that he'd give me that I could go out there and, and, and make sure I did, I, I, you know, I laid it all on the line and when it was over, it was over. So there was a purpose and a, and a thank, a gratitude for being on the field. That was my why. Mm. Awesome. And uh, so many good questions coming in here, man. This is awesome. You guys are killing it. Keep them coming. And if we can't get them all tonight, maybe we can get the mayor back on here to talk more, but this is incredible. And we're making a huge impact here on these lives case. I appreciate you being here. You know, we talked about what was your biggest motivator? What was your biggest motivator as a player? What kept you going for 11 years in the big leagues? And as long as it took you to get there. Um, My biggest motivator was, uh, you know, I think, I think my faith was a big motivator. My family was a big motivator. You know, I, I had, you know, I had three kids, my son, Andrew, Jake were born during, you know, when I was in Cincinnati and then Carly was born too in my last couple of years. So I think my family was a big motivator for me. Um, and also too, I think, I think at times um, there was a little bit of fear was a motivator, you know, knowing that at that big league level, like there's somebody coming for my job. Like, like, like that, that, that fear of failure was, was, motivated me. It didn't scare me. It motivated me. It forced me into courage. You know, they always say like, Hey, fear, you know, courage is nothing but fear, you know, having the fear and then doing it anyway, like fighting through it, like fear brought me courage. And I kind of love that little fear. But so there was a little fear of like, Hey man, you got to keep proving to yourself every year. You're good enough. I know you were an all-star last year. You hit three thirty. all this stuff. Like you got to prove it again. You got to prove it again you got to prove it again. Like, like we were talking about this the other day on MLB Network, talking about Juan Soto and Max Scherzer came on it and we asked him about Miguel Cabrera. Well, he watched Miguel Cabrera prove for years in Detroit as maybe one of the greatest hitters of all time that we've ever seen. And they were talking about Juan Soto. Now, Juan Soto's done it a couple of years, but I love Max Scherzer's quote when he says, hey, 
If he wants to be in the same breath as Miguel Cabrera, he's got to prove it for the next 12 years. I love that. And that, and I think that's a motivating factor for all of us to keep wanting to prove ourselves, prove to ourselves that we can do it and continue to get better and better and better every year, every game. Mm. So many good questions coming in here, man. Keep them coming, guys. We'll do our best to get them all to you. Um, Case, one of the things you said, or one of the questions that came in was, what do you do to help a teammate who's feeling down, maybe not playing as confident as they want to? What can you do to help them kind of get back in the game, if anything? I got to keep it in perspective. Like, you want to be a great teammate? You got to you got to keep it positive, right? The, the failure in this game, it's, it's, it's tough. There's nothing better than that than than was you know teammates coming up to you and say, hey man, way to swing, hey man, get them next time, hey man, you got a great swing, whatever it is to like lift that person up. There's nothing you know. You want to be a good teammate, man. A guy's down, a guy had a bad at bat, go pick him up, go say something to him, you know. And I would say, you know, maybe it's not right in that moment. Maybe you get him after the game, you know. But at some point, go find that that guy. And I think that's. People always ask me, hey, what's it What's it mean to be a leader? Hey, a leader treats people the way they want to be treated. A leader goes out of his way to be positive. A leader goes out of his way to pick guys up. You know, it doesn't have to be super rah-rah, but, man, keep it positive, you know. And, 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 you know, a guy, you know, is down on himself, go over and tell him, hey, man, you got this. You're good. Relax. Slow the game down. Like, you know, whatever you got to tell him that works for you, man, just be a positive teammate. I remember the great teammates I had in my life, not necessarily the best players I played with, but the great guys, the guys that were great teammates. Mm. One of the things that uh, question that came in here from Noah, he said, when you find yourself overthinking, what do you do to slow it down and calm down? And I think my answer to that would be, would be that's why you got to have those three keys to keep it simple on the card. So if you find yourself overthinking, you go back to see the ball be easy hammered. If you don't have that written down, it's going to become easy to overthink because you're searching for something instead of trusting this here. So what would you, how would you answer that case in terms of you find yourself overthinking? How do you come? Well, 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 the problem with the human brain is this. The truth is the truth. I think I got this from the four agreements, right? A tree is a tree, right? Now, Kane, we go outside and I say, hey, Kane, what do you think of this pine tree right here? And you come out and you go, man. I love pine trees. They're my favorite. I love the green on them. I love the trunk. I love everything about the, the pine trees. They're my favorite, right? And I come over and say, and you say, Case, what do you think? And I say, you know what, Cater? I hate pine trees. Pine's the worst. You can't burn in the fire. Brings the sap, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. I hate green. Green's the worst color and brown, right? Okay, boom. You have your opinion. I have my opinion. The truth of the matter is the tree is the tree. This is where our brain goes. You're either going to create a narrative in your brain that serves you or you're going to create one that, that doesn't serve you. And our brains are lean towards the negative of creating a narrative that doesn't serve us. Oh, man, I'm no good. You know, okay, 0 for 1. How many times is an 0 for 1 turning into an 0 for 4? Because, oh, man, I look like an idiot with that pitch. I can't believe it. The crowd booed me. I, I'm a terrible player. I don't know what I'm doing. My hands aren't right. My feet aren't right. Okay, you've created a narrative. It doesn't serve you. Okay, boom, 0 for 1 punch out. Man. I'm so glad I was, I thought I saw the ball. Well, I could see it better next to bat. I can't wait to get back up there and face this guy. I'm really going to slow down next time. I really saw it good out of his hand. Didn't see it late enough. This next pitch, I'm going to see it there. I can't wait to get back up there. This guy's in trouble. I'm going to dominate him. The truth is you had a bad first at bat. That's the truth. You created a narrative that doesn't serve you, that you'll go down a rabbit hole. And I guarantee you no four, or you can create a narrative that serves you. And that gives you a better shot to go one for two two for three, maybe three for four, right? And that's what I would say. As soon as you find, have awareness of your thoughts and where you're going 
and bring it back to a narrative that serves you and doesn't serve this instead of one that doesn't serve you. You talked about pine trees. We're burning the spruce tree candles in here today, Case. It's oh, man, I bet you that smells great there, Kater. Frosted spruce. And every morning <laughs> you talk about playing mental games with yourself. I picked this up from PJ Fleck, football coach at the University of Minnesota. He says every morning he walks in the office and the first thing he does is he light a, lights a candle. One, he likes the scent. Two, it's a reminder to him that he's the damn spark. He's oh. the guy that's bringing the energy. He's the guy that's igniting the flame in the program. It's not up to anybody else. It's up to him to take complete ownership and responsibility that if you want a program that has energy that's on fire, you better be on fire. It starts, it starts with you. And I think, Case, let's get a message here for our coaches. And if you had, of all the coaches you played for, high school, summer ball, Cape Cod League, Richmond, minor leagues, major leagues, all the coaches, managers you played for, the guys that stick out to you as the best, what made them the best coaches and managers that you had? Jim Leland to me was the best. You know, he just was a great communicator. He was really positive. This is a tough game. I think Jim Leland, why Jim Leland was so good is because he sucked as a player. I'm serious. Jim Leland was a terror, was not a great, I mean, he'd tell you that. He's told me that. Like, he was not a good minor league player. He never got out of double A. And that's why he became a coach, right? So, but when he became a big league coach, he remembered how hard the game was. He remembered how tough it was. So he became a great manager. He was overly positive. He was a great communicator. You know, one thing, the one thing I would say to the coaches out there is, hey, listen, check your ego at the door, right? You got a bunch of good young men that are out here trying to have some fun and, and trying to dominate. This is a very hard game. Baseball is the hardest, you know, we talk about it's the hardest thing to do in sports is hit a baseball and pitch and all that stuff, fielding. Like, if you want to be a great coach, you know, be the most positive coach you can be. I mean, be, you know, find a way to be just overly positive with, with the kids. Because guess what? At the end of the day, my worst coaches were the guys that were over, would over critique. You know, it was about them and all this stuff. My my performance was about them being a bad coach somehow. And I, I those kind of – that stuff would drive me crazy. The best coaches, Terry Francona is one of the funniest dudes I ever met. Uh, he was just such a great manager. Like, he really understood the game. He'd been there, done that. He'd let you be you. He'd let you fail. Put you back 0 for 4. Don't sit a kid 0 for 4. Stick him back out there. Pitcher gives up the booty in the eighth, ninth inning. Put him back out there. Right? Like, like don't bury guys because they're not doing – this isn't football. You know, nothing worse than when we get, you know, this is football. you got to get on these guys. No. If you really understand the brain, this is golf. This is golf in a team atmosphere. This is a one-on-one. You got to get your players to buy in that, like, go get them next time, man. I believe in you, right? I believe in you and believe what you're doing. Get back out there and get them. That would be my recommendation to coaches. The best coaches I've managers I've played for were the guys that had your back and how they have your back. They showed you by getting your back out there. Mm. Love that. You know, case kind of so many good questions coming in here. And one of the ones I'm going to combine two here. And it's about the mental game of baseball. And one of the questions was, how did you wind up getting with Harvey Dorfman and realizing the value of the mental game? And, you know, was it, was it that you just came across their book or was there like a specific chain of events that happened that kind of directed you towards him and towards the book? You know, I'm, I'm very lucky because my dad has always been a forward thinker. You know, my dad was always like, how can he get, how can he get better in his profession? And so I think he looked at me and, you know, was always trying to help. And I was a junior in high school and my dad bought me three books. Uh, the Art of Hitting 300 by Charlie Lau, I think. The Book of Ted Williams. And then The Mental Game of Baseball by Harvey Dorfman and Carl Keel. I wasn't a big reader, you know, in high school. I don't know. I just, 
wasn't really into books, but that book, The Mental Game of Baseball, just struck me. So I would go during my free mods and I'd start highlighting things. And it was like, wow. And then I would try it in the games and it worked. And so I so 16 is when I started reading that book. I read it every day until the last day of my, my career in 34. 16 to 34, I read a part of that book every day, like, like 100%. And it wasn't until 2003 I called Harvey because I was like, man, I got enough clout now. I got a couple all-star games under my belt. Like, I'm a good enough player. I'm calling, I'm calling Harvey Dorfman. And I knew he was with Scott Boris at the time, but I called him and I said, hey, Harvey, my name's Sean Casey. He's like, yeah, I know who you are. And I was like, oh, man, that's so cool. Harvey Dorfman knows who I am. You know me, I love this guy. And I just said, like, man, you, you're the reason I'm in the big leagues. Like, I took what you said in this book and I really, I, I believed it. And I put it into process and I put it into work. And that's the reason I'm at. And I asked him, do you think I could start talking to you? And that's how our relationship started. I knew he was with Boris, but Harvey was just the greatest guy in the world. He was like, you call me whenever you want to call me. And that started, a, you know, a friendship for years. And, you know, may he rest in peace for, you know, now how many guys he helped in the big leagues. I mean, me and Al Leiter were talking about the other day. Al Leiter said, no way would he have done what he did without Harvey, you know? Mm. It's amazing. And the one thing I think that was really cool, Case, is that you – you from 18, you're 18 years old, no, 16 years old to 38. So almost 16 to 38. That's 22. 16 years. to 34. So it was like what? 19 years, 18, 18, years. 18 years. You're reading the same book. Yeah. Same book. And you know, I've shared, I've shared with our coaches and the, and the athletes on this call two books that I've written the daily dominator, which is like a one page a day kind of mental game devotional. And then my book, mental conditioning for baseball. So coaches, let's get those out to your team and your players. Cause players, if you're on this call and you're listening to Sean Casey, a lifetime 300 hitter, a guy you watch in the MLB network all the time, talk about reading the same book for 18 years. And then he had a chance to actually meet and work with the guy who was his mental performance coach that wrote the book, Harvey Dorfman. Like, you have those books that I wrote. You have them when your disposal. Get them on your phone. Touch them every day. If you need something, you know how to get a hold of me, right? It's e it's easy. Just get my number from your coach. Go through social media, Case. Kaner, and I just want to tell all the coaches on here and 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 the players, all these guys, Brian Kane, like what a resource. Like I have my my sons work with them too. Like so fortunate to have this guy and and his books. I've read your books, Kaner. They're unbelievable. Like it, and and like. There's so much wisdom and knowledge in there. And, and I think the, the biggest thing is this. I always say this to kids. I go, listen, my 11-year-old daughter, right, knows nothing about any of this stuff. I have a ton of it in my brain, right? I've read these books. If I don't actually go put it into action and I don't actually go do something about it, we're the same. My 11-year-old daughter knows nothing and me that knows everything. If I don't put it into action, we're the same. So you can't just get these books and do nothing. Read the books, believe the books, and then go put it into action in your practice. Go put it into action in your games. It's just, you know, what a wonderful resource you have here in Brian Kane. I mean, just unbelievable. Well, Case, I appreciate that, man. I'm humbled by your words. And I think that's, that's, that's a great, I mean, she, we can sit here and talk all night, man. But I think that's a great, a great way to wrap up this call, which is exactly what you just said about put it into action. K minus A equals zero. K minus A equals zero. Knowledge minus action will get you nothing. So players, you got to take the knowledge that you've gotten 
in our, in our first, you know, four or five weeks that we're doing this together, take the knowledge that you're getting from Sean Casey. Most importantly, take the knowledge from your high school baseball coach who you are working with every single day. Look, there's a reason why you and your high school baseball coach are on this. You're basically hand selected to be here because I know your coach. I believe in your coach. I believe in your program and what you all are doing. You've just got to stay the course and trust the process as Case is talking about, and you got to take action. So here's how we're going to wrap this up. It's called a tilt, T-I-L-T. Today, I learned that. Open up the group chat, and I want you to drop in there, please. What did you take out of today? What did you take out of today? Go ahead and put that inside of our group chat, please, coaches, players. And what did you take out of today? And I think one of the biggest things I took, you know, Mickey Cruz talking about collecting chips. I love that as a motivator. You know, Sam mentioned breathing. Jack talked about facing the ball, not the pitcher. Um, Destination disease, keeping it simple. Here we go. This is what we're looking for. Just the chat. You can't keep up with so much greatness is coming in here. Simple in, you know, keeping it, making it simple for yourself. The pitcher doesn't matter. Only the ball. It's me versus me. It's not the shirt that's making you hit. It's you that's making you hit. Um, having a process, doing one thing at a time, flipping the switch, calm aggression, breathing, controlling what you can control. I got, I got a hundred comments in there. I can't even keep up with them. I'll make sure I get them all. I'm going to get them down on paper. I'm going to decipher them all. I'm going to get them out to the coaches. I'm going to get them to you case and the questions we didn't get to. Maybe we can find a way to get you back on here. Maybe make some videos on your Instagram for all the players here. I want you to continue to learn from the mayor. So if you go onto Instagram, uh, is it, what is it? Is it at the, at, the, at the mayor's office, MLB at the mayor's office. MLB. MLB. So Google search, Sean Casey or Instagram search, Sean Casey. I know Casey got a seven o'clock meeting. So we got to bounce here. Thank you for being with us. My friend indebted for you fellas. Keep the comments coming case. I'll cut you loose here, man. Thank you for being with us, brother. Yeah. Hey, good luck. Good luck to everyone. All the coaches and players that came on. I appreciate you listening. And, uh, and hopefully it was helpful. Okay. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'll see you Wednesday, brother. Yeah, man. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Hey, thanks for checking out this podcast. This is Brian Kane, and I would love for you to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show. I'd also love to engage with you directly on social media. So please reach out on Instagram or Twitter at Brian Kane Peak. And then make sure you head over to BrianKane.com and check out some of our articles on our blog, some of our videos. And if you're a coach looking to master mental performance and up your game so you can help your clients get the results they've been looking for check out my mental performance mastery coaches certification where we teach you about the mindset routines and habits that your clients need to get the results they've been looking for if you're an athlete or a performer listening to this podcast head over to briancane.com and click on athletes check out my 30 days to mental performance mastery for athletes program where i walk you through and coach you virtually to help you master the mental game and give yourself the best chance for success thanks for being with us here on the podcast Let's dominate the day.